Good morning. Let's stand together and worship. the 
A.W. Tozier, who said that we wake up each day under a friendly sky. And you could say that because each day we wake up to new mercies. Let's pray together as we stand. Lord God, we recognize that because of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and your work in our lives, we wake up this morning under a God who smiles upon us. We smile because the Son of God has shed his blood to cover all of our sin, and you see us clean and righteous. You smile because the Spirit of God lives in our hearts and begins to make us new each day. You smile because you have plans and purposes for our lives that you invite us into. We are grateful for the goodness of God, and your people say, amen. Hey, feel free to be seated, and good morning. Welcome to Fellowship Bensonville, and if you are brand new to us this morning, uh, maybe you're new to town, even new to this area, uh, we are glad that you're here. We're grateful. In fact, we're not just grateful that you're at Fellowship Bentonville, we're grateful that you're here in our community. We love new neighbors, and you are part of the reason that we exist as a church as well. And so we would love to get to know you. Uh, maybe you've been coming uh, through the summer and you're wondering what are the, some of the first steps to to getting engaged, the best way to get to know you is simply to meet you. And you can use some of the technology that you see on the screen behind to reach out to us and let us know you're here. But we actually believe a handshake and a hello is way better than that. And so our connections team will always be at the community booth after every service. And all you need to do is stop by. Let them know that you're here and ask any question and we'd love to serve you. Hey, when you think about the ministries that launch among us, uh, the way ministries happen here is that God invites us as his people into something he's already doing. We say yes, and once we see that launch, that ministry happen, then we follow our leaders into ministry. Our style has not been to create a program and then to get up front and recruit you and sell you on the program. Instead, as leaders, all we try to do is keep our ear open and our eyes open to what God is doing through our leaders, you. And then we follow you into ministry. And that's exactly how our Grief Share ministry launched. Grief Share is a 13-week process in which those who've walked through loss of a loved one or a close friend have been guided through a 13-week process of healing grief through others who've been through it. And we had a group of leaders who said, we need that here at Fellowship Bensonville, and we want to launch it. And so five leaders stepped forward, Kim and, and Joe and Deidre and Nancy and Barbara, and they said, we want to be the ones that help shepherd another group of people through that. And so if you are interested in Grief Share, it launches on August 8th. It starts at 6 o'clock, which means it's early enough in the dinner hour that they'll actually feed you. Child care is available. Community groups are rallying around and providing those meals uh, for the Grief Share participants. And uh, for 13 weeks, they would love to, well, to help you go through a recovery uh, of loss as well, from loss as well. So if you want to be into more information on that, in the middle of the foyer, there's some round tables with some balloons on top. And you'll see Kim there, and uh, they, she would love to answer any questions about Grief Share that she can. Hey, we've been working through the Spiritual Rhythms series this summer. And uh, you know that we've been describing our rhythms as simply the practices that we do to participate with what God is already doing, meaning He is at work to change our lives, and we want to avail ourselves to that work. And so this summer, we've talked about five practices, five spiritual disciplines that help us engage with God, 
connect with God and others, and five practices that help us disengage or unplug so that we create space for that to happen more. And this morning, Abel will teach on the spiritual practice, the rhythm of service. And anytime we talk about service, we, we understand that all we're doing is stepping into something that God is already doing, which means that even service as a result is grace. Grace upon grace upon grace. And so as we open this up this morning, we understand that we are being invited in to the rhythm of what God is doing as he works in and among us. So in that spirit, we continue our worship. Hey, good morning, y'all. Good morning. There you are. Um, hey, as I was planning and thinking and, and praying about this service um, and talking about this theme of service, it struck me how it can feel like a heavy weight sometimes or maybe like a guilt thing. Um, and so I just want to acknowledge that uh, as we start and say, I wonder if last week's teaching is the perfect teaching to set up this week. Uh, Mark did such a wonderful job of taking us through um, the spiritual rhythm of Sabbath and all that that means for us and how that is definitely a grace that God has given us um, that empowers us. So then we come together uh, in that Sabbath time to worship together. And in our worship, we remember who God is. We remember his generous heart. We remember his love for us. We're reminded of the gospel, all that he's done for us and all that he invites us into. And as we begin to rest, as we begin to rest and settle in that and rejoice in that, rest and rejoice in our worship, in our Sabbath time, out of that overflows a desire to just walk with him into whatever he is asking, he's inviting us into, uh, to serve him in whatever way that looks like. And so when we come together on a Sunday, the way that we are empowered to serve is worship. We come in and we put him before us and we remember all that he's done. And I love this passage from Ephesians 2. It says, uh, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and he seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, church. And this is not of yourselves. This is not your burden to carry. It is a gift. Salvation is a gift that you can receive for the first time or, or again this morning. You can just receive the life that God wants to give you, that he wants to walk with you in. It's a gift, not by works, so that nobody can boast. It's all God. And then this last line, catch this. For we are God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared in us in advance for us to do. So we're created for good works, but it comes out of remembering and resting and rejoicing in all that he has done, all the gifts that he has given us. And so that's what we're doing this morning. And every Sunday morning, by the way, is rejoicing in all that God is who he is and what he's done for us so that when we leave this place, we might serve him. So as I was thinking about that, my good friend Ryan Chola down here, this is his first time um, leading worship with us again. It's been many moons since we've led together, but we wrote a song maybe, I, I wanted to say last service, maybe like seven years ago, something like that, that immediately came to mind when I knew Ryan was gonna be back with us and this was the theme and it's called it is finished. And it's all about ceasing striving and resting in the finished work of Christ. And from that place, we'll go forward in our worship. But I wanna invite you to just take, sit back, take a deep breath, let the song wash over you. As you, if you know it, come on and join in with us and we'll continue in our worship together. When my strength is gone and all I've known is striving When your grace is just a word I've always sung Will you pull me close and help me feel your wounds again And lead me to rest Oh my 
When my days on earth are done and death is calling And when they lay this broken body in the grave You will pull my weary soul from all the pain
our prayer this morning Lord that you take our lives that you take our moments Lord take our hands and our feet take our will and our hearts and take our love and take ourselves and everything we have for you Well, good morning. As Mark mentioned, we're in our last week of the Rhythm Series. Has this been good for y'all? It has been really good for me. I think I could take this about twice a year. Uh, just to be reminded of what this with God life looks like. Some of these spiritual practices are so healthy. In the passage uh, we're going to look at today, Jesus says, if you will be blessed if you do these things. And I really believe that we will be blessed, happy, at peace uh, as we practice these spiritual disciplines more and more. Well, as you've heard, each week during this series, spiritual formation is the process which by the people of God, which by, which by the Spirit of God is forming the people of God. Can't read. Um, the Spirit of God is forming the people of God more and more into the Son of God's likeness. So when you think of being transformed more and more into the image of Christ, a natural question we'll ask is, what is Jesus like? What is Jesus like? And so I'm not sure what comes to your mind when you think of Jesus, but I was thinking back to our series last summer on the book of John, and we did it kind of survey style, where we looked at Jesus' seven I am statements, his seven miracles, and his seven encounters with people. And when I look at this slide, I get a little discouraged about becoming like Jesus. Um, I will never say any of these I am statements. 
That's called heresy. Um, I will not do any of those miracles. Um, even his encounters seemed uniquely divine. And so we are stuck with the question, what is Jesus like and how am I to become like him? Well, I do think there are a number of ways that we can become like Christ. And one of the primary ones is what we're going to look at today in service. If you got your Bible, turn to the book of John, chapter 13, one of the most familiar passages in Scripture, and we'll see Jesus' heart for service and also his exhortation to us to follow him in that. John 13, 1. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The word here used for love is agape, which a lot of y'all are probably familiar with. Agape love is this godlike love, this unconditional love. Um, I really like Tim Keller's, this is a summary of Tim Keller's definition of agape type love. To serve a person for their good and intrinsic value, not for what that person brings you. Notice that love and service are almost interchangeable. The opposite is fear, self-protection, and abusing people. The counterfeit is selfish affection, attracted not to a person, but how this person's love makes you feel about yourself. This counterfeit idea is a hard mirror to look in, isn't it? As we test our motives, even in a good thing like service. But Jesus did this perfectly. We see him continuously love people for their own good, not looking to get anything in return. He was secure in who he was and in the Father's love, so much so that what people could bring him was never an issue. We see this as we read verses 2 and 3. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So, what did he do with this power? People typically don't do well with power. You've probably heard the phrase, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And we typically do not do well with power. Jesus knew he had all power. Um, I watched a short video, YouTube video, called Power Makes People Selfish. The psychologist interviewed compared the brains of people who felt powerful with the brains of people who had suffered significant brain trauma to the empathy part of the brain. They found that in most cases, people, people's actions were very similar. No empathy for others, no regard for other people. According to a 2015 study led by Gerben A. Van Cleef at the University of Amsterdam, powerful people find themselves more inspiring than anyone else. He found that people who agreed with statements like, I can get people to do what I want, were more inspired by talking about their own life-changing experiences than hearing other people discuss theirs. Typically, Power leads to serving goals, serving self, 
serving things and using people to get to the end. Jesus flips this on its head as we read in verse 4. So he got up from the meal, took out his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So we see what Jesus did with his power. He used it to serve. He loved his own, and he loved them to the end. He humbled himself and put them above himself. He reiterates this through his life and teachings. This is central to the Jesus life that we hope to follow. Paul tells us that our attitude should be the same as that of Jesus, which he describes in the book of Philippians, which, by the way, we'll be studying Philippians this fall. So starting September 10th, we'll be in the book of Philippians all fall. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, Who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or to use for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself becoming, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Verse 6 could be translated, because he was God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be be grasped. Jesus, at his core, is self-sacrificing. That's who he is. That's who our God, the God that we worship, is self-sacrificing, gives himself away. If we want to become like Christ, we must practice this discipline of service. In fact, Jesus commanded it, looking on in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Could Jesus be more clear? He repeats himself three times, reiterates that the disciples are to do what he's done for them. Namely, to put themselves at the bottom of the heap and serve others for their good. And Jesus tells them why. He said, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus wrote the original, your best life now. Serve. Put others before yourselves. You are here for good. In fact, I think this phrase can sum up the application of Jesus' words to his disciples. Here for good. Here for good. That's a great phrase. It actually has three senses. So, When you think of someone saying, I'm here for good, there's a sense of permanence, right? Like, I'm staying. I'm here for good. As we serve, we show that we're part of the church of Jesus, which he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There's a permanence, a solidarity to being part of the church of Jesus. There's also a purpose. Why am I here? I'm here for the good of others. I exist for the benefit of other people. 
as a follower of Christ. And then, I'm here for good that all of us were created with a sense of, uh, with a desire for fulfillment, for satisfaction, to experience joy and peace and life and life abundant. And we get that as we serve. We experience that uh, as we serve. So we briefly, really briefly looked at one snapshot of Jesus's life, but his entire life was a life of service from the very beginning to the very end. So when he tells us to serve others, he, he's not talking about service projects or service hours or volunteerism, which all those are great. Um, Jesus is talking about a heart posture of believing that we exist for the benefit of others that plays out in all spheres of our life. So you can see family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, community, and church, all areas, this idea of service should permeate. Maybe the toughest group to serve are the ones closest to us. Have you all experienced going on a mission trip and just serving your guts out all week, and then you get home and slip into selfish patterns? Anybody experience that? It's really easy to do, um, but it doesn't have to be this way. My wife is proof of this. She honestly is the most servant person, servant-hearted person I've been around. This stood out to me this week as I was looking through one of our photo apps, and an album popped up that the photo app created, said Sarah throughout the years. And I was struck that almost all of her photos were of her making other people's lives better. At one of our kids' birthday party that she organized, at a graduation party that she pulled off, her making dinner for our family, on a trip that she insisted our family go on to make memories, a sporting event for our kids, or Christmas where she literally bought every present. I hope I got you something that year. Working on that. Getting better, getting better. Um, literally making everyone's life better, making them shine, highlighting them, celebrating them. Sarah's a great example to me what it looks like to become more Christ-like in serving others in a family context. And I'm sure many of you have a mom or a family member that's equally, that's similarly selfless. Friendship. John Wooden said to make friendship a fine art. We tell our kids, I looked for a friend, none could be found. I became a friend, and they were all around. Um, friendship is something that all of us have an opportunity to serve in. Sarah and I have learned how to become uh, good friends, how, how to be a good friend here at Fellowship. Fourteen years ago, our twin boys were born, and uh, we had a lady in our community group and her daughter that said, hey, can we come over every Monday and, um, and help you with household chores and watch the kids for three or four hours? Would that be all right? We said, yeah, that'd be all right. Um, and and it, it made me wonder, like, who does that? Who thinks of that? Someone who ex who's experienced the joy of serving in friendship. Uh, a couple years later, as our kids got a little bigger, not much. We had four kids, seven and under. Our community group leader's daughter um, said, hey, can I come over every week and watch your kids and send you all out on a date? And we're like, that would work, Bailey. That would work. And uh, she would never take any payment from us. Never. Um, that was amazing for a 15-year-old girl to do that um, and experience the joy of serving. We're still very close with Bailey today um, as 
but she's in her late 20s. Neighboring, uh, I know what amazing neighbors some of you are, helping people who are in closest proximity with you. I mean, I, I hear about it. I see it. People serving one another as neighbors is a great opportunity. And at work, at work may be your greatest witness opportunity to stand out for Christ. It really may be. To operate with the good of others in mind will stand out. Believing that you exist for the benefit of others goes against the grain of our human nature and our culture. To make others shine is what Jesus did, and you reflect him when you help develop and love those at work. This will be a glaring contrast where self-promotion rules the day in many work environments. If you show up and serve people and use things, you'll stand out. Most people will use people and serve things. In our community, Fellowship's mission statement is to produce and release spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ to Northwest Arkansas and the world. And we have a decentralized model of ministry, which means we don't have, we don't ask everyone to come back here on Sunday night or Wednesday night. We don't do a lot of events and programs. The reason is, it's intentional. The reason is we want to create some margin and some space for you to serve in our community. We want the presence of Christ to be in every niche of our community. And you know how it gets there? You, every one of you can bring the presence of Christ into our community. I see it all the time. We have so many of you that are serving in schools, serving on your POA, bless you, um, on the school board, bless you even more, city council in so many ways. We have an incredible body of believers that is so salty in our community, really uh, doing a great job. I was on a Google Meet on Tuesday evening for my ninth grade boys football team, and the coach said three parents had stepped up to serve and help this season. All three were part of our church body. Made me smile. Finally, here at church, we can't connect you to all these areas that we talked about. Well, we can connect you to serving opportunities here at church, and we'll talk about that uh, for the rest of the time. So serving in community. So if you are in a small group, in a community group, that's a great way to serve together. So we say there are four ways that this can happen in small groups. Serving within the group. Inevitably, needs are going to pop up, and you can serve people within your group. Serving at church. We have groups that serve together as greeters. We have groups that serve in our early childhood ministry. So you're building community and serving together. That's a great idea, great thing to do together. Um, serving within our community. We talked about individually serving, but you can serve with your group. I, I know groups that serve at Saving Grace. I know some groups serve with the Samaritan Community Center, and that's a great thing to do with your community group. Lastly, serving global workers. The Alms and the Stottles were up here the last couple weeks. What would it be like for your community group to adopt some missionaries, some global workers halfway across the world, send them notes, encourage them financially, pray for them, stay in contact. That would be a great way to serve together in community. Well, I mentioned worship one, serve one opportunities. And we will jump into that. Before we do this, it's important to talk about a few caveats to serving. 
The first one is be healthy. Be healthy. The greenhouse is good. Uh, I visited a Discover small group on Wednesday and at the Hessens Home in Pea Ridge, and they had a lady in the group, and she said, I just want to thank you all for being a greenhouse for me. I'm in a tough spot in life, and I just, I found fellowship such a wonderful place to come and heal and, and be restored to health. And so if you find yourself in that spot, do not feel obligated to jump in and serve with us. Just soak it up, soak up the greenhouse, it's good. Um, also, be prayerful. A need is not a call from God. So we have a lot of needs in our early childhood ministry. If you do not like children, do not serve in our early childhood ministry. We have lots of other ways that you can serve. And so uh, really be prayerful about that. Ask the Lord, Lord, where do you want me to serve at church? Maybe you're more task-oriented. Um, we have a lot of opportunities there with our tech, with um, different things. If you're people-oriented, lots of opportunities there as well. And then lastly, practice your serve. So I think spiritual gifts tests are great, but I think most of the time our spiritual gifts are uncovered as we practice, as we uh, serve and see how the Lord's wired us and gifts will emerge. And then we say, oh, you know, I really liked this area because I like meeting new people or I really enjoyed my time with kids and seeing them grow. So we've got to practice our serve um, if we don't know exactly where we're called to. Well, last week I walked around church with Rhett Frazier, who's going to be a college freshman at the U of A, and he served for years on our media team, just serving, taking videos uh, for our church. And uh, I asked people two questions. Why do you serve, and what have you gained from serving? I think you all appreciate people's responses. Let's watch this together. to give back to other families because families serve our family. I serve to keep me happy. These kids in that they, they're sweet. We know what it's like to be a stranger. So we serve in the greeting ministry and we just enjoy meeting Good people. Morning. I serve because I like being a part of my church and I love pouring into the kids and hopefully teaching them about Jesus. I get to use the gifts that God's given me just to pour out into those kids and the team that I'm a part of, which I really enjoy. Uh, the reason I serve is to get connected with the church. I want to uh, serve younger parents with young children because I remember how much of a blessing it was for me when my children were young. I serve uh, because of all the leaders that have served in my life. Uh, and I want to be able to do that the same for the younger generation. To expose kids to a good environment at a young age to, so they can become better when they grow older. I serve because I just want the younger generation to know what, like, who God is and to help them realize what the, role, the real world is. I want to give my time um, and so, to something that is larger than myself. Fellowship's done so much for me, it's just a chance to give back. It makes me feel happy that I'm helping little kids. Love the spontaneous and just how crazy they are. So they just make me smile. I gain a lot of joy from that. The joy 
of watching children and families interact together. Cool bracelets, some gift cards, and relationships with um, kids who are at the church. There's lots of smiles and friendships. The benefit that I get from it is making new friends. It energizes me and it like makes me step out of my own personal bubble. Get that good feeling that you're serving the Lord, the church. The satisfaction of, of kind of answering the call. Joy to see other kids feel accepted and into this world and um, in a mixed environment with other students. Being that welcoming face, that engaging face, to bring them in and just make it a little more comfortable experience for them entering the building. A perspective from the kids on, you know, how life with God is. Just to see the smile on everybody's face and then to see if I can get a smile out of everybody. And that's, that's the gift I get. Good. Whose son said bracelets and gift cards? Come on, man. That was our son. That was our son. Joe, pick up on some of the reasons that they stated why they serve. They're great. They're blessed to be a blessing. Use the gifts that God has given them. Connect with others in the church body. Invest in future generations. I love what Jane said. How It meant so much to her when her kids were young. She wants to serve young parents. Blessed to be a blessing. Gideon said the same thing. He said, I've been served by people older than me, and uh, I want to do the same for these kids. So it is a, uh, it's great. Did y'all pick up on the word that popped up over and over and over about what they gained when they served? Uh, it's one word, and say it right now if you heard it. Joy. Y'all picked up on it. Yep, you got it. Um, and yeah, if you have too much joy in your life, I would encourage you not to serve. Um, you might explode, actually. But if you'd like more joy, more relationships, to invest in future generations and use your gifts that God has given you, we'd invite you to serve with us. Worship one and serve one each week. Sometimes we can come to a large church and think, everything seems to be going just fine. I mean, everything... Surely they have all the needs taken care of. Well, I've got good news. Joy opportunities abound. Um, I asked each of our team leaders to share needs from their ministry area, and this is what they shared this week. This is, these are current. Uh, this is over 200 needs on Sunday mornings. And so we have lots and lots of opportunities. So don't feel like uh, you will be a burden if you want to serve somewhere. We, would, we have a place for you to serve, and we would absolutely love it. We'd invite you. Um, if you are one of those people who wants to serve uh, in an area of the biggest need, I've heard of two. I continue to hear about early childhood. So you see they have 40, for, need for 40 leaders. And then special needs and disability. I, I got a note back from our, our special needs and disability leader, Brittany Cotter, and she said, yeah, please tell people that we actually do have one family that is not coming to church right now because we don't have a buddy for their son. And so there's a wait list um, for special needs families here at Fellowship. So it's an incredible ministry to be able to serve one-to-one -one with, with these families. Um, you may have lots of questions you would like answered before you jump in, and that is awesome. We would invite you to ask those questions. Can you serve? What's the cadence? What is, 
what is asked of you in each of these areas? Well, I, I, we've got time for that. We're actually going to get out of service 10 minutes early today. We have about 20 leaders at each, each of our booths in the back. And so you can walk out and ask questions about early childhood, special needs and disability, elementary. You're not signing your life away. You're not signing in blood. You're asking questions and trying to uh, gain what it, what it means to serve on Sunday mornings here with us. We think you will experience joy through serving. Um, would you all stand with me? We're going to pray this prayer and then give you all uh, time to go visit with people in the foyer. Let's pray this out loud together. Jesus, thank you for pouring out your life on earth and leaving me an example to follow. Holy Spirit, please transform me more into the image of Christ. Please empower me to live a life of service like my Savior. Please purify my motives as I serve, not serving others for my benefit, but solely for their good. Heavenly Father, please use me as a vessel for your kingdom. Use me as I serve with others in community. May I serve my family, my church, my community, and the world in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to pray, Jeff and Chris are up here to pray with you. Um, if you're already serving, if you already served at 845, thank you. Feel free to stick around and visit. Uh, if you'd like to learn more, please visit with somebody in the foyer. Y'all have a great week. We love you, fellowship.